Hi, and welcome to episode 10 of Beerfest Brewers Roundtables. Um, we've come a long way. This was, well, this was a, this was a good session. It, I have to explain a little bit about what happens here. We were originally meant to have Hofton Dorma from Belgium, Ballykilcavan from Ireland, and West Kerry Brewery from Ireland as well. On the day this we recorded this, the most God-merciful uh, thunderstorm hit the whole of Ireland. Adrienne from West Kerry was actually stopped in her car to take part in this. She was by the side of the road, she was going somewhere. So she took the time to stop, do that. But we couldn't hear a word. The rain was just pelting down off the roof and we couldn't hear a thing. So what I've done is I've cut the section at the start out of that. It's just us going back and forward trying to do that. So I've cut that out. So unfortunately, there is no West Kerry in this. What we did have, luckily enough, was we had Mike from Killarney, who you might remember from a couple of episodes ago. He was in the audience. He knew Jeff. He knew Dave from Ballykilcavan. So he came in and he just joined in the conversation. So it became, it's remained a good flowing conversation. There are little bits where David from Ballykilcavan drops out as well. He actually had to turn off his camera just in order to keep the, the audio going. Um, as you'll see, thunderstorms and rural Irish broadband do not mix at all. But we struggled through those, we got through it, and I think you're going to really enjoy this session where we talk about place and just you know how you can capture a sense of place in in your beer. So that's the explanation. Let's get down to the program. Today we have, um, well, I think it'll be an interesting, an interesting chat. It's all about whether we can talk about whether we can kind of capture place and tradition and culture and all of that stuff into, into a little bottle of beer or not. Um, we have with us, we have Jeff there from Hofton Dorma. We have, or we had David from Ballykilcavan. He's having some connection issues, so he'll be dropping it out. Let, let's talk about you, Jeff, because um, basically because you're the only person who can hear me. Um, so you're like... Your beers, you you the farm you have is what it's it's a few hundred years old, but it's not in your family for for that long. No, no. So uh, my family bought the farm in mid nineteen nineties. We we come from village next door, uh, and basically you live in Belgium, and Belgium is very uh, pretty much full especially the place where we live, there's like concrete everywhere. And they wanted the place to have like a quiet life on, in their old days, which turned out different, obviously. My brother has this thing, he always wanted to be a farmer. Like back in the day, I wanted to go to the moon. He just wanted to be a farmer, uh, which is a passion like any other, I guess. So the family bought the farm. And then uh, we refurbished it for years. The farm itself is from 1680 or so, something like that. Um, and then, yeah, in 2009, we started brewing. Because when you buy a farm, you don't buy a lot of land. Land is something you accumulate over the years. Uh, so we wanted to make the farm viable. So we started uh, Farmhouse Brewery. Basically, that, that's been going now. And did you, 
did you know what you wanted to brew at the time or was it like you wanted to represent the area? Did you want to just brew what you drank yourself? What? No, it, it all grew in, in, in multiple years. Like we started without any knowledge about beer. And what a Belgian does is he makes a triple, an amber and a dark beer. Very boring beers. Very, okay. very boring styles. They're all sweet. And frankly, if you drink one from Big Brewery number A, one from Big Brewery number B, or one from Small Brewery, they're all the fucking like It's a trip. Big whoop. Uh, that's why, how we start. But pretty soon we notice, like, yeah, this isn't the way. And then a small American guy stepped in. I was like, oh, yeah, I like the beer, and, and I'll buy everything. So the first six or seven years, we were 100% export. Right. Which also allowed us to, at least in a, in a Belgian sense, either experiment or have like a, a better grasp on what the ever-changing American market is. And over the years, until today, it's basically evolved for us for, in my opinion, actual farmhouse beers, which is not a very difficult thing to do, and sours, lambic, yeah. which is also farmhouse-style beer. Yeah, but you, you, and everything you, you brew, it's, or as much as possible, it's all your own, like. Yeah, so right now we do our own barley, our own spelts, oats, rye, and wheat. Uh, that's for grains. We have uh, seven different kinds of hops. And my brother is, as we speak, building our own maltery, which oh. is like the last big link we're missing. It's the malting process is still at a big industrial plant. Okay. So we want to do that ourselves too. And then we'll, we'll always find something new to add to the region to, to be more self-sufficient or self-sustaining. But I, we think, at least now, that's the big logical step to start a, a small maltery. Craft, craft is always like it's a very big word, but it's a small farmhouse maltery. Right. So... Uh, yeah, that's what we're doing. And in terms of beer, it, it, it's also a limiting factor because I make one beer that's not, that's like more to the, the dry hop side, with like juicier flavors. And all the rest, I try to use everything we make around, which is, it limits you in the term of mostly, uh, I can't make stouts from our own, obviously. Um, and, and hop flavors is very limited. So I have to be more creative in terms with uh, raw grains, which I, I love in beer. It's, it's I love like the earthy notes and the, the subtle earthy notes you can get from raw oats, raw wheat, raw rye. Uh, it makes it all a bit rougher, you know. Uh, that that's basically the beer we brew. It's it's refined in a sense that it has subtle flavors, but it's still rough because you're with a, a lot of earthy notes, we have like a very specific house yeast, which is saison-like. So you got like quite a lot of esters, but it enhances bitterness quite well. So that that's what we, we're at right now. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping someone else can take over because I'm not very good at <laughs> I'm hoping that maybe someone... David, can you hear us? I can. I'm back in now. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm actually just looking out the window. I've got my video turned off because I think the um, the internet connection here is bad at the best of times, but it is absolutely apocalyptic outside at the minute. Um, so in terms of a sense of place, 
Uh, what County Leash in the middle of Ireland is like at the minute is I can hear the thunder, I can see the lightning, and it is bucketing rain outside. Um, which in terms, like, and, and actually, I mean, my first job is well, well, okay, my first job was in IT and computing. Um, uh, my second big job then was as a farmer. So when I took over the family farm here, um, we, you know, that was about. It, it, it feels like a couple of years ago. It's actually it was two thousand and four, so it's seventeen years ago at this stage. Um, but we, the main thing we grow here is malting barley. So that's obviously what we're using to to brew our own beers with. Um, but it does need rain. Even we've had a wet sort of week or ten days up here. Um, but it does actually still need a lot of rain because we had a dry period from about well, for about four or six weeks uh, from the middle of March onwards. And the ground that we're on, which it's generally very suitable for malting barley, but, um, but it does dry out very quickly. And if it dries out, then the malting barley gets really stressed and, and doesn't really work very well. So um, I'm actually not upset to see a bit of rain, but I could do without the thunder and lightning probably. <laughs> That's not necessarily what we need just at the minute. <laughs> Sounds the same. So, But your, your farm... Um... Like Jeff was, I don't know how much you caught there of Jeff, like he was giving that the farm's been around a long time, but it's only been in their family for 20 years. And it basically, I think the yeah, same yeah. as yourself, you can't make a, a living out of farming just as commodities anymore. You have to bring something else. Into no, it. it's not. Absolutely. It's exactly it. And I'm say like when I took over here, it was kind of a mixed farm. So it was cattle and it was um, arable. So it, it was malting barley and oats and peas and maybe a bit of old seed rape. But even I kind of feel when I took over here, malting barley was still a an added value crop. So it was kind of a speciality crop. You got a fair bit of a bonus for growing it. Um, it was worthwhile growing it. It's got to the stage really over the last few years, it has become a commodity. So, um, you know, Irish, Irish brewers in general, particularly the big brewers, would prefer to use Irish malting barley if they can. But if they can get it in cheaper from somewhere else and it's still in the right spec, then they're going to do that because it's, it's by profit margin at the end of the day for them. So um, the, the financial viability of growing malting barley has become more and more precarious over the, the course of the last maybe 15 years. Um, and we, you know, like the big, the thing for me about the farm is I took it over from my father. I would like to hand it on if any of my kids want to take it on, but that means keeping it 20, 25 years. Um, so we always, you know, it's a great lifestyle farming, but you always have to look at the financial viability of it as well. Um, and we just looked at growing malty barley and decided that wasn't going to be enough to to guarantee the survival. Um, and that's, I mean, that's why we have a brewery. There's no, there's no two ways about it. If farming was, you know, if we were making millions out of farming, you know, we probably wouldn't have gone to the, the bother and the hassle of setting up a brewery. But because um, the, you know, because, the farming has been a little bit dodgy financially over the last five or ten years. That's why the brewery came in. Yeah, and I, I guess you felt <laughs> if it's been around that long, you must feel some sort of weight of responsibility that you know. <laughs> yeah, there is. You don't want to think about it too much because there's no point, you know, putting pressure on yourself. But um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it's it's managed to get through from 1639 through 12 previous generations down to me. And, you know, obviously that's nothing to do with me. I, I just took it over from from my father. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I didn't want to be the one in the history books that went down as not wanting to take it on and not wanting to keep it going. And now that I have taken it on, I obviously don't want to be the one that makes a complete mess of it either and, and wipes it out of, of the family. Yeah. Um, we've had like... It's it's rare enough, I guess, that you get it going through twelve generations, just because at some stage someone's going to make a few mistakes or or be deliberately, you know, go off and and 
drink it away or gamble it away or do something with it. And we've had a few close calls over the years. Like we've had certainly two generations that I know of that came very close to losing it. Um, so I don't want to be the one that actually turns out to lose it um, and, and earns my, fa- my place in infamy in the history books. But, uh, you know, if, if, so, so that's why it's, it's, for me, it's about diversification. So it's about trying to find something different to do that we can do at the farm. Brewing makes sense for me because we grow the, the raw ingredient, you know, the main raw ingredient here in terms of the barley, um, because we have the buildings, the old farm buildings that are no use for anything else because they're, they're just too small. Um, so we can use them. And, and then it's the interest as well. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's something that certainly since I came back here and we grew the barley, I, I wanted to know what happened to it after it left the farm. I was interested in malting. I was interested in brewing. So I did, you know, a fair bit of home brewing in before we, before I even thought about setting up a brewery, it was just a, that was just a hobby and an interest. Uh, but then when we were looking for something different to do that's you know that's what we came up with right and um yeah jeff you you came into it you were purely interested in the brewing side of it not the, not so much the farming yeah yeah i i i hold into it uh my academic career was was not going very well and then my football career also due to lack of talent wasn't going very well <laughs> And then I rolled into it and I thoroughly enjoy brewing side. Not so much all the rest, but I think that goes for most brewers. Nobody likes to do either paperwork or selling. But uh, yeah, it's something that became one of my ma- ma- many passions. But yeah, that's, that's it. So maybe if, if we look at one of the beers, actually, which one are you drinking there, Jeff? I'm drinking uh, our own saison because I didn't want to open something from Irish <laughs> guys and be finished and I oh, shit I don't. You, did you try the saison, David? I did absolutely. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's. I mean, we're obviously brewing on a farm um, next to a farmhouse. We haven't really produced a lot of what you probably call farmhouse beers as such yet because we have our sort of conventional brewery that we've set up in in the old grain store and that's that's all well and good. Um, We kind of want to keep that clean of, of any you know unusual yeasts or anything like that but what we're looking at doing now is the brewery if, if you don't know it it's in a big old farmyard um that there's plenty of other spaces around the yard that we're going to basically put in what we'd call a farmhouse brewery so we'll still produce the wort in the brewery as is pipe it across to wherever we're going to to actually set up the farmhouse brewery and then we can start playing around with with you know more interesting yeasts and, and mixed fermentation and and cool ships and things like that so like it, it'll be it'll be very interesting and good fun. I'm sure we make a complete mess of, of at least a couple of batches because it's obviously not something that we've done a lot of up till now. But um, you know that that's something very much that we're we're looking into because at the minute, obviously, we have our own water, we have our own barley, we have a certain amount of hops that we have in the, in the fresh hopped beer as well. Um, but it'd be lovely to have you know get everything in from the farm, you know, in, in terms of the, the fermentation as well. Um, so that's that's kind of where we're going for. But I do like a saison, and uh, and and Jess one is it was really really good. I really enjoyed it. And it's funny because my wife, um, she's a co-director, like she's a co-owner of the of the brewery, but she wouldn't like everything that we produce here. But uh, and I give her pretty much everything that comes in, and she thought it was fantastic. She really liked it, so it's obviously a style that she likes as well. So uh, we're onto a winner then if we can start brewing them as well. Now it sounds like you're going down the same kind of path like Jeff's, maybe a, a few years ahead of you, and that he started with. Oh, he is absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and even in terms of like of the three breweries that are on today, we're very much we're not quite the babies, but we're definitely the toddler. I think in, in the uh, out of the three because like, we only set up 
we started brewing in 2017. We only started brewing on the farm December 2018. And that's just, right. you know, it took us that long to get the brewery up and running. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're still we're still finding our feet to a certain extent. I mean, certainly in terms of distribution and sales and things like that, we're still definitely finding our feet. But uh, it's 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 a steep learning curve. But once you get over that, like, it, it's it's fine from there. Yeah, no, it just isn't the fact that, you know, you're starting off the same way, you know, you're picking some beers that are maybe more widely widely appreciated, let's say, and then you're... But you have the same aim that you want to go out to this, you know, more traditional type of lambic style style beers, which there's absolutely, yeah, yeah, something a bit different. And 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 again, like you're right, because to my mind, you have to have a core range that's going to appeal to the max. I mean, we need to sell beer to to stay alive and to stay financially going because you know you need to try and you know we we have a fairly wide range of beer, and the aim is that at least one beer is appealing to everybody, and hopefully a lot more than one beer, but that everybody can drink at least one beer in the range because you have to be able to sell uh, enough volume of beer to be able to survive, and then you can go off on your on your. For us, it'll probably be at the start anyway, a sort of side project of producing different styles of beer that are maybe going to appeal to a smaller audience but that they'll be really passionate about and that we're really passionate about brewing as well obviously we you know we enjoy brewing all the beers but you know something about maybe a, you know a mixed firm or something farmhousey that is you know is, is actually more interesting just because it's different um and it, i suppose because it's something we haven't done before and it'll be you know it'll be great fun playing around with that and getting it right to start with one second i have has it come up here connected all yeah michael i just invited up here because he's uh he knows jeff quite well so hey, Mike. hey how are you doing i'm good i'm how's the yeah. american doing i'm doing great enjoying this weather we just had one pass through here in killarney too yeah so you you you've been over to over to jeff and over yeah. i mean you've tried the beers what like is there anything in there in the that particularly struck you when you first because I believe you weren't even a brewer when you first met him no it was probably not too long after they were getting started up that I, I stopped in I guess and you know I think the way you guys have grown and and made the beers made made it really be like the idea of this you know the sense of place kind of thing what you know, in the mo- more uh the more recent years of adding the cool ship and what you guys were just talking about about having actual farmhouse beers you know, it's just been astounding, the growth you guys have and, and, you know, the barriers you've overcome, I'd say, too, of, like, the fire and everything like that and rebounded even stronger. It's yeah, been amazing for, to watch you guys grow. For anyone who doesn't know, I mean, you had a big, big problem, a big fire there, what, three years ago, four years ago? Uh, uh, um, I, I forgot. I, I, I tried to forget it, but it's either uh, <laughs> right. of January 15 or 16. Yeah, so about five years ago. Um yeah, which but, was uh, an experience to say the least. But shit happens. I, I think the other thing I would add that I, you know, having been there a couple times, is the way a big part of that is setting up a place for people to come to see it, and the way you guys have the tasting room, and even from in Belgium that wasn't a common thing ten years ago, but from the beginning you were having people into the farm to sit there and drink the beers right next to where you're making them. But I think that's that's the the main. Selling point for like beer like us and I guess the other ones too. Like you can either make a farmhouse style and it being like some like semi factory, everything stainless, nice and clean. But if you if you do it like us, you have to be able to actually show to to you always have to 
do some proof like we are actually a farmhouse. So we have to let people in and be and, and show the place. Otherwise, we're, we're still and any other brewery, which is fine, but we want to be this highly local farmhouse beer as much as possible from the area. But then you have to prove it too, in our opinion. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And that's what you're doing as well, David, isn't it? You're going to be opening up, obviously, when COVID is all done and that you, your, your brewery tours are, are a big part of what you're going to be doing. No, we lost David. We're having great connections yeah. today, people. <laughs> Daniel, are you there? Okay. I, I would also add, too, like both, you know, I mean, I think you're right. I think David had mentioned that they were going to be doing that as well, but also West Cary have their place, too, that people can go visit. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it, I know like the biggest, what the biggest tourist attraction in Ireland is Guinness, like Guinness Storehouse, but it's a different, <laughs> it's a different experience, you know, between going into a, a small place where you know the people, you can talk to the people versus, yeah, this big corporate thing. So, Jeff, are you selling them through your own, like when people come to you, are you selling them locally? How are you selling them? Uh, I'm going to talk pre-COVID, because COVID obviously shifted a lot of priorities and we're mainly an export brewery. Okay. Belgium is still the country of... Uh, Belgium is like Germany and, and, uh, Ireland, and uh, Czech, Czech, Slovakia, uh, Czech Republic. They're like, we are the most historic beer country. Then they all drink beer made in the 60s, but you put a fancy 1366 date on it. People look past that. People are very much into whatever their idea of heritage is. And it's a lot of sweet triples. And, and if you want to keep it, half of my talk about beer is shitting on triples because I hate triples. But. Uh, so we are mainly like a lot of our colleagues. Uh, an export-focused brewery, which is, we are still, we're small, but we sell little pieces all around the globe. Uh, okay. That's basically it. And no, people, no, we, we sell, we sell to beer geeks. That's it. We sell to beer geeks, and you have, in Belgium, 1% of the beer drinking population is beer geek, and you can sell There's enough there to pallet. In America, it's a couple of million. That's the that's our market, basically. Uh, now, with COVID, we're very much shifting towards buy at the brewery, uh, cons- consume at the brewery, uh, in the in a more group-up kind of sense, without having, like, a group-up installation. Uh, it's basically, COVID is everywhere, so there's no, no, there's no imported buying beer, or at least, like, small quantities. And, and Jeff... And Jeff- what- so much. Sorry, Jeff. What is the what's the situation in Belgium? Like, if I'm a, a customer, can I walk into your brewery and walk out with two or three bottles um, and take them home again? Is is there licensing restrictions on that? No, that's that's always been possible. It's always been yeah. possible since last year to walk in and, and buy. And now, uh, since last weekend, the the you can dine or drink outside, but only outside. Okay. Not in- so uh, it's starting to open up again, slowly. Yeah. It's I think one of the things David was asking is, like, in Ireland, it's very restrictive. You basically 
the trouble he has to go through to be able to sell beer directly yeah. to the public is pretty huge. But in Belgium, that doesn't really. That's well, easy. I think it's. I mean, from what we. From what we can see, it, like most of continental Europe seems fairly, what I would deem, relatively sensible. Um, and, you know, if you're in France and you go to a vineyard, you, you'd be shocked if you couldn't walk out with a bottle of wine. You come to a brewery in Ireland and unless you're set up with, with some sort of clever license, you can't do that. You can't walk out with a bottle of beer. Um, and, and, you know, what we're, gonna ha- what we're doing here, because I, I just sort of caught a little bit of Jeff's thing in terms of getting people onto the, the farm to see what he was doing. And for us as well, I think that's completely vital. I think it's really important that people come in, they see the barley growing in the fields, they can go out and see. I mean, we have a hop garden. It's a small hop garden by, you know, there's no point in trying to claim it's, it's, it's huge. But again, they can see the fact that we're using our own ingredients. They can see the way that we're brewing the beers. Uh, but at the minute, we can sell them a sensible amount of beer. It's, it's 20 litres um, is, is more or less the, the limit, that's, the, the minimum limit that we can sell them because it's a wholesale licence that we're working off. So, you know, when we, we're renovating a building at the minute, which will be our visitor centre, our tasting room, and then we can apply for what they call this taproom licence, which will, will allow us to do that. Um, it's still pretty restrictive compared to what, you know, what the, the perception that I would have as to what goes, you know, what's allowed on the continent um, seems a lot more sensible than what we're going to have here. Yeah, I, yeah. No, I would add too. I mean, we don't we don't have the farm brewery kind of thing here, but just from our tasting room, the amount of times when Americans come in, especially who ask to try a beer, taste the beer, do a flight, and then they're like, "Oh, you gonna sell it here?" You know, and it's just the yeah. constant refrain. <laughs> like, there's this shop down the street you can go down to in town, and you have to direct them yeah, where to I'm, go. Absolutely, and it, 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 as you say, and Americans in particular, because again, you you know, the Americans are so used to the tap room setup, well, and yeah. the, the, you know, you walk in and you buy you buy a pint to drink on site, or or you get some bottles to take away. But we have to send them two and a half kilometers into Stradbridge in the nearest supermarket. Yeah, That's harder, the yeah. closest place that has a license, and it just, you know, it feels ridiculous to us. It seems completely ridiculous to them, um, but that's that's just the way the system works at the minute. So, you know, hopefully this time, I, I mean, we're we're going to be up and running, I guess, by the autumn. We've, we've lost four months because of, of builder shutdowns and things like that over COVID, but, you know, we'll, when we're up and running, the, the difficulty is you have to build the place first and then apply for the license on it, so you can't even run the two in parallel. It'd be lovely to get the, the license application kind of in and, and running. Um, but we have to actually have the, everything in place first before we can apply for the license. But then we will be able to at least apply for that license and we'll be able to, to you know, do what I would see as sensible. Um, and even in terms of the tours, my understanding is legally we can't give samples anymore because it's, it's now a public health, um, you know, the, the new public health legislation that's come in. You can't give away alcohol with a service. So if you are, um, if you're giving, if you're paying for a tour, that's a service you then can't we we as the brewery cannot give you a sample uh to you know to to actually to try at the end of the tour so it's that's that's actually the main reason that we'll be going for the licenses to make sure that we can actually give samples at the end of the tour and then obviously hope that people buy a stack of beer and and, uh, and head out um so yeah just sorry so the question there case they as i say the plan would be that we'll be the, the builders are back in now we're lucky that the building is there. So it's not a build as such, it's a renovation, uh, which can sometimes actually be, be more problematic than doing a, a straight build in the first place. But uh, we'll be up and running by August, I would, I would suspect. Um, then the next question is whether we're actually going to be able to be allowed people in inside by August. I mean, I would hope so. Things seem to be going the right direction. Um, but certainly by, um, you know, by the autumn of this year, we'd, we'd hope to be ready to, to, to welcome people in. Good. I'm sure there's a lot of people looking forward to that. 
Um, well, we can we can see there because I know you've been advertising it a lot as well. Like, it looks an impressive building. It's an impressive place. It's a, yeah, it's it's and, and again, like in terms of what what we sort of you know in terms of social media and things like that. Um, a lot of what we do that we put out to people is what's happening on the farm here because that's what that's a lot of what people seem to be interested in. And there's always there's always something to do. It'll never be finished. I mean, let's be honest. It, it, it's it's been being built and being renovated pretty much since it went up in the first place. So um, I spent two hours yesterday up to my chest in a river trying to clear a sluice gate that uh, that we need to repair and put back so that we can get a salmon leaves working. Um, which actually is, in a way, nothing to do with the brewery whatsoever. But again, when you get people here, it'd be lovely to be able to bring them down to the river, which is pretty close. We are looking at putting in a hydro plant down there if we can, if we can work out how to fund it and how to get that up and running. Um, but, you know, there's, there's always something to be doing. And it's actually the trick for me is to try and work out where the best place to be spending my time is. Like, obviously, you have to do a certain amount in the brewery, uh, the admin and everything else, and then, um, and then running the farm as well. So it's, um, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's very varied, isn't it? Put it that way. Like you can be back again in the morning, and then uh, and then trying to repair a roof on the on an old building in the afternoon. So at least you never get bored, yeah. at least. Yeah. So actually, while we're, we have you there, why don't we, um, Jeff? Do you want to try? Tell me what you think of his um, his beer. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna open. So it's there. Yeah, be I, nice. I'm interested in one of the things is that this is with your own hops, and it's the first hops you're you're making, isn't it? Or the first hops you're yeah. growing. It's, it's so this is probably about year three of um i think this is the third release that we put out in terms of the the fresh hop beer so so everything in that beer is sorry in terms of the the, the uh, barley the water and the hops is all from within about 500 meters of the brewery so the hop garden is is what just the old garden that was at the back of the house that we have converted into a hop garden um i mean i would say ireland is not necessarily the best place in the world to be trying to grow hops i don't think the climate that's, is necessarily that suited to it. But, that's what um, I was going it, to, I keep hearing people say that you can't grow hops in Ireland, but there seem to be people growing hops. And um, I mean, Belgium you can grow hops in same kind of. Yeah. And yet they're I, I would say you can grow them. You can grow them. It's just, I, I, we've got a small hop garden and I wouldn't be overly confident making it. Yeah, I wouldn't be overly confident putting in hectares of hops because um, I just feel there's every chance that some year you could come along and you just get wiped out in ter- with mildews or, or molds or something like that. It's, it's a per- it is a good climate for growing barley. You know, it's generally going to get, you're generally going to get rain fairly frequently and, and you know, a little bit of, of warmth in between times, but hops to me, they want heat and they want sunshine and, you know, where we are is not particularly hot or sunny. And I think it's really the humidity that gets them. It's the constant, the rain they can cope with. Like Northwest America is not exactly the driest place in the world, but uh, it's the constant humidity that seems to get them in terms of, um, you know, getting mildews in and molds in. So it's, but we can grow, we, we, we try and grow kind of tra- what I'd call traditional styles of hops here. So we don't try and grow anything that matures late. And it tends to be the later maturing hops that'll be the really, you know, the, the modern hops that people really like in, in beers um, that are going to give you the sort of tropical fruit flavors, the citrusy flavors. Um, we do grow Cascade, which grows pretty well here, actually. It produces quite a lot of hops, but it's not going to give you that same intensity of flavor that, a, you know, a Northwestern Cascade or even a German probably Cascade is, is going to get for you. Um, and then you're into Fuggles, Golding, Northern Brewer, Willamette. Um, we've got Centennial now for the first time, which was it's not in this beer. It might be in this coming year's beer if if they grow up enough and start to produce a few cones. We only planted them last year, so 
touch and go whether we get anything off them this year. We should get something off them next year. Um, but it's, you know, so to me, even though it's a fresh hop beer, obviously the word hop is on the label, it's still a very malty beer um, because the Irish hop flavors that we can grow here anyway are pretty subtle. Um, there's enough there to give it the bitterness to balance out the malt. There's enough there to give it a little bit of, a little tiny bit, if you go looking for it, of, of sort of grapefruitiness from the cascade. And then you're back into, I heard Jeff talking about earthiness. Um, and, and I think that's what we're looking at here in terms of the Fuggles and Golding that give it that little bit of earthiness as well. What do you think, Jeff? I like it. It's better than my th- I, I suck at making fresh hobbies. I, I can't figure it out. I make it every year, and every year I'm like, eh. <laughs> I like it because it's, it's, it's like uh, uh, David said, it's mostly a multi a malt base, like a multi flavor. That's the base beer. And you got some, I don't get the exotic fruits, but you got like a, a nice, a nice fruitiness, some herbiness in the nose from the, the, I imagine fresh hops, which it's nice and subtle. You know, it's not, it's not a gimmick. It's not, let's, let's add a, a bunch of hops in it. Yeah, it is. Uh, subtle, subtle is definitely the word I would use for it. And you sometimes, again, when, when we're selling it as a fresh hop beer, um, we always have to sort of temper down expectations. It's not a, it's not a West Coast IPA or something like that. It, there's a lot of hops goes into it, um, but then they're wet hops. They're literally, they are fresh hops. So yeah, you yeah, might put like, in 12 or 15 kilos, but that's 80% water. So actually you're only yeah. putting in maybe three or four kilos for a thousand liters, which isn't, which isn't a lot. And the flavors are all pretty subtle anyway. For us, if we can get the bitterness right, that's the tricky bit because, and again, you know, if we're putting in imported hops, we know what the alphas are, we know what the essential oils are, we know what we're dealing with. We don't have time to get these tested once they, you know, they're, they're literally picked. And, and what we do is we get, a, we get a group of people in, however many we're allowed with restrictions at the minute, but we get a group of people in to help us pick them. So it's completely manual. Um, I'm literally up at the top cutting them down from a, from a JCB, um, on a, a platform on a JCB, cut them down, get them down to the ground. And then our, sorry, our volunteers come in and, uh, you know, and, and pick them. And then we get them into the into the brew house as quickly as possible because they are so wet that they will go moldy, you know, probably within 24 hours, I would imagine. You certainly wouldn't want to try and store them. Um, and we're literally putting them straight into the kettle in terms of trying to get the bits out of them. And we're tasting it. So the only way we can do it is actually put them in, give them 15, 20 minutes, taste them, see how they go, and then work it out from there. If we think there's not enough, put in some more for bitterness. And then whatever we have left, effectively, we put into the whirlpool. So it's, it's definitely, what I like about it actually is it's a beer that's different every year and it's deliberately different every year. So it shouldn't taste the same because it's, the malt bill is, is the same each time, but the hop bill is pretty much whatever we pick. So um, d- different varieties do better in different years. We get different amounts each year. And then obviously depending on whether that's what the flavors you're going to get. Yeah, well, I guess that's, that, that is the essence of farmhouse, isn't it? Like you're doing with what you have and you're kind of going in, with, is, you're going in with, with kind of, molding something rather than kind of going in with a clear idea that this is what I'm going to produce and I'm going to play with it until I get what I what I have in my mind. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. I mean, for us, it's, uh, it's you know, trying to make obviously a, a nice beer, but it's, we're, we'd never tell you in advance what it's going to taste like. And it's tricky because we have to obviously produce the label in advance. So I think we're, we're fairly um, nondescript on the label in terms of tasting notes. So um, we, you know, we, we have a label that says it's our own hops. That's pretty much it. We're not going to tell you what it tastes like. Um, and then, you know, maybe it's up yeah. to you to decide what it tastes like every year. Well, even the label is different from everything else you're doing. I mean, I know uh, this was something actually I want to ask because like you captured, you said that's your family's 
emblem, the griffin, and you, you know, all your cans have that. They're bright. They're, this one is very much a very simple label. It is. Actually, the bottle beers in general are fairly simple, but the Fresh Up one in particular, just I think the way the colour is, or um, it is an, a, a simple label. Um, but again, the, the things that we would always try and put on the label are going back to place again. So the fact that, um, that we're growing our own barley, we're using our own water, because that happens across everything. Um, but then obviously for the Fresh Hop, we're using our own hops as well. Um, and then the, I suppose it's the story, the backstory behind the farm as well. So yeah. certainly when you know if we meet new people if we're talking to people about the beers um they you know hopefully they like the beer that's the, that's the most important thing then you then they'll start talking about ingredient provenance and story and it's often actually the story that makes the um that, that makes the difference in terms of, of people being interested in the brand so you know they they like the fact that it's a multi-generational farm that the brewery is being used to try and and you know diversify the farm and keep it uh, you know keep it in the family um, and that's what that seems to be what people engage with. And that's kind of why in terms of the social media, that's why I would do a lot of I, I suppose I'd, I'd run out of imagination in terms of putting up stuff about beer all the time as well, to be honest. Um, but the fact that we have all these old buildings and we can use them um, to keep people interested. And it's 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 a great motivation for me because I have to uh, I have to find something to put up on the social media. So if I don't have anything, I need to find a new building to restore or need to find something to do to uh, so that we have some content. Um, so it's, you know, from that point of view, it, it works quite well as well. Yeah. You're getting, I mean, you're obviously expanding, yeah. but ju- just as we're talking about place, I mean, all your beers are, very much a story as well there's a you know a story be at least on the label and at least behind the beers you know yeah i guess i guess that's where you can yeah, well, we, expand place yeah. into that to a different direction in that it's about the history of an area you know, from the beginning the guys here they created the story they sort of wrote down the stories and tied them to the beers right so that's but a big part of that yeah but you're getting into as well i mean more you're, you're i just saw that you've just released on as well which is quite a Probably quite a change from the beer that you had before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's definitely going to be a change. And has Jeff had a chance to try any of them? Have you sent any of the any saison over to Jeff yet, or have you risked it? No, I think I dropped some beers in over at some point with you over there. I, I got like, some Bailey's, uh, which were very yeah. tasty. Like, yeah, uh, I think a good year ago. What? I got some Bailey's. Like, yeah. Uh, something about a year, maybe a little bit longer ago. Yeah, I think that's what it was. There was that, the Spalpine Saison we do, which, again, you know, is more in the more in a, just a modern Saison, I'd say, than, than farmhouse. Yeah, I wouldn't call it that, but it's, uh, you, but that's another one I think. Like, uh, is, it, is it like, what, what's the yeast strain? The yeast strain is just one of the, the dry yeast strains we use for it from mm-hmm. Fermentus. But the one thing I do, which I know you talked about earlier is I think it's important, like the growing the different types of grains. So in that beer, it's 25% spelt. And I think with, like you had mentioned that earlier, you guys grow spelt as well. And I think that was actually a question I was going to ask David to see if you guys were doing any other grains, but I think like that branching out into oats or spelt or all these different types of grains is an important part with like the farmhouse type beers, because you just brew with what you have, whether it's, you were talking about the hops that you have that work out for you. Um, each year if it's a good harvest, but I think grain is the same way. So you know, I think some of the beers you guys have done, Jeff, with the mixed grains have been excellent. I, I think, I, especially if you're talking about spelt, spelt is such a, a flavorful mm-hmm. grain. If, if you get it, if you get malted spelt, 
Spelt is basically wheat with a lot of, uh, uh, how do you say that in English? <laughs> uh, nobody speaks Dutch here, I guess, so. <laughs> Wait, I'm gonna Google it. <laughs> but no, you're, there's a flavorful character. Yeah, stuff. With a lot of chaff, which is, turns out the same word in Dutch. Uh, but it's basically old school, uh, 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 wheat. So if you get it malted, you're buying expensive malted wheat. But if you leave it raw and leave the chaval, it's such a flavorful and a very specific, in my opinion, desirable flavor in certain types of beer. Don't do it in a New England IPA. But uh, it's it's so much fun working with like the raw ingredients and playing with it. Rather than get it all from like a big poultry and get yeah sure. My my brew house has like a very bad um uh, again English word. Next time I should do it in Dutch and get it translated. But uh I learned Dutch for the next My time. yield isn't very good in my brew house, but I work with so much and oftentimes more than fifty percent raw material. It's way easier to make Low alcohol beer with a lot of flavor, without gas stripping, without doing funky stuff with enzymes, stuff like that. And it's a, uh, I think, I think that the key to farmhouse brewing is the raw materials you use. And sure, the hops are awesome to use yourself, but at the end of the day, if you, if you have a good harvest of hops, taste difference, it shouldn't differ from whatever you can get. As on Belgium, from like a, a guy in Belgium who does it professionally as its main core business, but the grain you can make a mark on. Really? Okay, and you also do a lot of um. I mean, there's people watching there. You do a very strong lambic range. I do. I don't know if anyone has tried it. David, have you tried his lambic there? Any of the lambics you had? No, oh, I think David's gone again. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll talk about lambic and, and stuff like that. Are you going to call it Lambic? Can I just jump in there first? Or will you kill me? Someone kill me. But uh, one of also very on paper, all, all the beers I make are recipes. And my internet fell yeah. uh, Recipe wise, fairly easy. Technically, fairly easy. I like the subtlety of beer. And I don't like, like you were here on Thursday. You're never gonna catch me making uh, some uh, stout with coconut adjuncts and a, and a lot of stuff. I don't like those beers. I like almost beers, which for me lambic, uh, uh, especially the fruits varieties of lambic, appeal to me a lot and to the rest of the family. And it's such an honest beer because you, it's it's a long shot. You make something. You let it uh, uh, wildly ferment, and especially the first time, it's a long shot. Like, let's pray it becomes a decently drinkable beer, and it builds from that. Over, we did it for like nine years, and now we're at a point like base product is spot on for our taste. Like lactic, lots of fruity flavors, stuff like that. And then the the joy for me is. To take that beer, which is at least three years old, Come find some local food farmers and add fruit to it for periods from six months to another year and a half. 
you get like those really fruity beers without being sweet, which is in Belgium difficult. People expect a bit sweet, but the sourness adds such a nice, refreshing note to it, together with like almost like our, our creek, traditional creek, it's almost like eating pie. You get like another fruit flavor with a refreshing sourness to it, and, and that's it. It doesn't have to be more difficult than that. Like I, I, I get a lot of flack for be, being being. I'm, I'm obviously younger than most of my colleagues, but I get a lot of flack because of I honestly don't give a fuck what the lambic brewers say. Like for me, I, 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 it's like it's very pretentious. But they, the, the, the lambic brewers are always like, oh, it's like champagne. You can only make champagne in the champagne area. They pretend you can only make uh, uh, lambic in the lambic area, which is the Seneval land, which is like one of the dirtiest rivers in Belgium. But for me, a lambic is, and, and they can't protect it for the same reason. It's still a farmhouse beer. And it has to be locally sourced, and it has to be quite simple. And their, their beers are amazing. I have to say that too. But credit where credit's due. Most lambics are best beers out there for my taste. But they all fail in one point, and it's apart from one Girardin. They all, they all, they buy as cheap as possible. The same as bad uh, with names. But David was selling like the Irish breweries, one by Irish Mall. If it's cheap enough, same for Lambic or for any brewery. So they, they buy their, their, their hops, their fruit in Poland. Their hops are either German or English, which is fine. Belgian hops aren't very amazeballs. And they don't know where their malt comes from, which in Belgium is most, mostly northern France. But we, we want to add that terroir back. And terroir is also, but like most words in, in the brewery, very pretentious. It's a very pretentious you have terroir, craft. It doesn't mean anything at all. It's, it's, it's like fancy names, but the point of my story is I'm very proud of our language. Basically, it's, I shouldn't defend myself. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've been lucky enough to try it. I know a lot of people watching this haven't, but I mean, it is amazing. Like you've probably tried quite a bit of it as well. Over. I think you guys have done a great job, and I think it is. It's unfortunate how you have the sort of infighting over a name like that. Yeah. You know, when you're making a great beer, but having to be restricted by where you're located and what you can call it. Yeah. But it's it, imagine that one farmer that's just out of the Champagne area. Yeah. It must be it must be awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The value of his his crop drops just as it crosses the line. Yeah. Um. I mean. And yeah, I never thought about it, that like Lambic, they make it seem like such a magical, special, well, you know, you have to go through this whole journey to learn how to do it. But yeah, I never thought about the fact that, like you said, most of it, it's not on a farm, it's bought in mass marketing. It's just yeast bacteria that separates it, really. You know, what it, it's not as romantic as, as they make it seem, while being amazing products, like... I can't stress that enough. Lambic is the best beer out there. But they all make it seem... But that's also what big breweries do. If you say commercial from, from Heineken, it's, it's that like the, the head brewer goes to, 
to smell the hops himself. Nobody does that. Everything is, is romanticized in the world. To a degree, it gets borderline ridiculous. Yeah. I also think, it, I would also say too, like when you do those beers too, like you guys are doing, Jeff, it opens it up to the kind of fruit additions that can also be a sense of place. Stuff not that's grown as grain or hops, but you have the fruit that's grown. And you can add those in and add, add another layer and another character to it. I, I, I have to agree. We don't grow the fruit ourselves. What you source it locally, though. Yeah, we have like... Also, this is... Our, our cherries are Belgian. They're from 50 kilometers from here. And the other fruits are from... Where is made them out? Around 10. Yeah, but that, that's what I mean. Is it's not right on the farm, but it's pretty local. area. Yeah, it's in your area. And you need it. You make it and you know... For, for Belgians, it's not in the area. You live in Belgium, like... like my area is basically my village. And like... I live 15 kilometers from Brussels. I, I've been there five times in my whole life. <laughs> also, don't go to Brussels. That's uh, my advice for the afternoon. <laughs> don't go to Brussels. <laughs> but it's, it's... We are still very... Local for us, if, if we have to drive, 10 minutes, oof, oh, it's far away. Right. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like, well, rural Ireland, but maybe if, a few years ago. <laughs> I'm going to live this. We, we have better roads now, so we can travel a little further. Or we could when there was no COVID. <laughs> Wait, who has the better roads? No, Ireland has better roads than it had like 10 years ago. Yeah, there, no, yeah so there were no roads in the country basically. Now they're now they're good roads, but no so it doesn't matter. David, are you still here? Did you've been? Because we we finish up now in a, in a minute. Um, Daniel, I think we didn't really manage to connect here at all because I think the we, we picked. Yeah, the weather's up. The sky's opening here as well, so um, we're all. Can, can I just ask? I had a question here from um, two things. So. Paul was just asking, maybe you can address this, Jeff. Is there, what's the technical difference between a Saison and a farmhouse? Uh, a Saison is, it's a beer made on a farm for working are you, on the farm. Sorry, Ivan, are you locked up down there? Or? Mike didn't mute, but it's... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but uh, a Saison, it's, it's, it's not a, you, you can't define it with a recipe. But it's, it's a beer made, it's low in alcohol, quite hoppy, uh, it's quite bitter. If, it has to be refreshing to work on the field in high summer. A farmhouse is a term made, guess in America, that means not a lot, but I think most of the beers are brewed with a bell sesamese. I don't, nobody knows what a farmhouse style is. I think if Mike can, can, help with it, but I, I have no clue how to define a farmhouse style. Can I think... For me, a farmhouse style, the only thing that, that can mean it, it's made in a farmhouse, but it mostly isn't the rational. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, I, I think they're all very vague terms, basically, aren't they? Um, yeah, I, I'd say so. I think, like, you know, everyone... Most people probably would define a saison as what it was historically, like what Jeff described as, like, a beer for farm workers or kind of made with what was around. But farmhouse is much more of a vague term that, I mean, I think you could include anything made with locally, maybe on the farm kind of thing. But, you know, I think in America, like you were saying, you, it's sort of come to be a saison sort of, it's a hard yeah. situation. Yeah. I, mean, I think that... It's more of like a, 
een lactic fermentation low alcohol beer and a yeah. farmhouse. I would more defined as a Belgian blonde, something like that. Not a triple, but like a, a normal Belgian blonde. Goes more to a farmhouse method. But I also think maybe the farmhouse thing starts to come when you're using mixed yeast, different strains with fret strains and maybe even, you know, wild ferments kind of thing where it's off yeah. of the fruit that's added or something. Yeah, yeah. maybe. And techniques and stuff. So, yeah, I, I think that, that's... Yeah. Um, so we've already, even though we, we kind of lost half our half our participants, but thankfully Mike was here <laughs> because the weather is just seemingly atrocious for everyone. Um, and Ireland having rural, uh, Jeff, you would know, but rural Ireland um, broadband does not really exist. Um, That's uh, it's yeah. pretty what bad. What I expected to be. <laughs> but um, listen, um, so uh, just one question or a couple of questions. People are looking to know where to get your beers, Jeff. I just say you can go to the website, but yeah. if you yeah. might, I don't think Ireland is down as a as a as a delivery option, so you might look at that for them. Oh, yeah, no, it's, uh, or send a mail, it's uh, just, uh, you find it on the site. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's definitely worth going and getting some of them. I, I've had the privilege of trying a few, and uh, they are, especially, yeah, the, the Lambics are pretty spectacular, if, if you have any, if you like Lambics at all, and as Jeff said, like, they're different from other Lambics, and all the ingredients, apart from the fruit, are on, come from the farm, so they, they are kind of authentic. Um, I'd also, I'd just also to say for all the breweries here, all three of them is just to visit them too. Just because you do get that sense of place kind of thing. Nothing better drinking beer right there with the smells, air around it kind of thing, the farm, what you're seeing. Yeah. And to get a chance just to talk to the brewers and and just to get it. And it's a pity that unfortunately West Kerry, you know, Daniel didn't make it and Adrienne had the rain pelting down. But um, yeah, that's definitely a pity because they do some spectacular beers too. Um, and they, just to touch on that, I mean, they go, not just the beers, but the labeling is what really struck me about that, is it's pretty much the same label, but it represents, if you look at it, the first thing you think of is kind of an old fella sitting by the fire drinking drinking beer. It's a really traditional sort of label and um, has the Three Sisters emblem on it as well, which I think you can see from her door, but definitely from around there. Yeah, it's, it's a stunning place where they're located. Yeah. And of course, clarity. Um, but you, you get tourists without even trying. So yeah, I know we do. But so listen. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we get to say goodbye to everyone here because Daniel's doctor, I think David, is there as well. So just on the beers, we had because um, I think Paul asked there, Ballyke Cavan. We had his pale or fresh hopped pale ale, and then we were looking. I mean, Jeff was basically talking about his lambics and about his saison, and. Um, then, of course, West Kerry do these Riesk, which are beers with um, stuff from their own garden, different botanicals and that to, to give it that sense. So um, listen, I'll leave it at this because um, I, I think the hour's already gone past and um, I appreciate everyone's time. Um, hopefully it didn't quite go as we expected, but hopefully it was still enjoyable for everyone. I, I had fun in a way, so that's all that matters, as they say. Um, so... Next week we're going to have slightly different. We have, um, we have, yeah, we have Beretta from Romania coming to join, and I had no clue about Romanian beer scene whatsoever. But seemingly it's quite vibrant. Arpas from Latvia will also be joining, and hopefully from Ireland. So um, it's going to be a very hoppy, forward-based chat next week, um, and hopefully we learn a little bit about different 
you know the different countries and what they're what they have coming up. But in the meantime, look, I don't know if you have anything you want to add before we go, Jeff. Or uh, the sun is out in Belgium. Okay, uh, not here. Okay. Yeah, we've, got, uh, we've got a yellow thunderstorm warning for the whole country here. So okay, yeah. So look, we leave that. But yeah, as Mike said, look, the encouragement here is all of these breweries you can go and visit, and you can go and talk to the people, you can go and taste the beers in place, you can see where they're made, you can see you know what what to find them. Going to see where your beer is coming from, and we're going to see where the people who make the beer, where they get it, where they do it, what inspires them. And um, hopefully we get some of that across today. So um, just want to thank everyone again, and um, we'll talk to you next week, maybe. All right. See you guys. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. If you've been listening to this, you probably enjoy visiting a brewery and trying to, you know, tour it, learn who the people are who make the brew, make the beers, um, see how they do it, and just get to know the local of the specifics of that particular brewery. Um, you've probably also found out that it's quite difficult to identify which brewers allow visitors. Many don't because they don't have space, they don't have time. A lot of breweries are gypsy brewers; they don't have their own facilities. So trying to dig all that out can be quite hard. That's why I set up brewerivisits.eu. It's a list of, it's a directory of brewers that allow and welcome visitors. You know, it might be that they have set up tours, you know, kind of tours arranged, or that you can just call them and they're, they're quite happy to show you around. It's still growing. We have about 300 brewers in there out of about, thousands that i went through uh so if, if you're interested in actually finding a brewer to visit when you're traveling around europe then check out brewerivisits.eu